Welcome to another episode of Differences Not Deficits, where we discuss what we are learning and changing in our therapy so we can support and empower neurodivergent individuals with compassion and respect. Thank you for listening so we can all learn together. The primary purpose of Differences Not Deficits is to educate and inform. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not constitute educational or medical advice. Listeners should consult with their professionals familiar with each individual or family for specific guidance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Differences Not Deficits podcast. We're continuing our interception conversation, and we just wanted to start with a little trigger warning because we're going to be talking about a subject that might be triggering for some people. We're continuing to talk about trauma. So just be sure to check in with yourself. And if you need to pause and come back to the discussion, then, you know, do that, but listen to your body listen to what's going on with inside you. So in our second episode, we shared a quote from Dr. Valerie Rain's book, The Patriarchy Stress Disorder. So to refresh your memory, I'm going to share that quote again. Trauma is any event or circumstance that made you feel unsafe in your fullest authentic expression and resulted in creating trauma adaptations. So on that episode, I shared my own story and how my body adapted to what I thought was, you know, in my perception was trauma throughout my life. And if you haven't listened to that episode, we just wanted to recommend that you start there so you have a better understanding of why we kind of brought trauma into the conversation and how interception also relates to that. So we really feel that we need to continue this conversation. And we're thinking we're probably going to continue this conversation for a little while because it's particularly important in regard to our neurodivergent clients. And we'll discuss a little bit about that more later. But first, we really want to make it clear that the trauma we're referring to is not necessarily what many people consider as trauma. So that might include things like abuse or assault, a big disaster, death of a parent, These big traumas are often referred to as capital T traumas. The traumas that we're primarily discussing are, can be referred to as little T traumas, which could be any event or ongoing situation, particularly if it's ongoing that cause a lot of distress. It could also cause fear, a sense of helplessness. And there's now evidence that this like I just mentioned, that the repeated exposure to these little t traumas can cause more emotional harm than exposure to one big traumatic event. So I wanted to go a little bit further so you really have an understanding of trauma and some additional kind of definitions around some traumas that you might hear of. So we're also referring to maybe adverse childhood experience or ACEs. So these experiences can include things like physical and emotional abuse, neglect, caregiver mental illness, household challenges of a parental separation. So if someone, if someone was divorced in your family, incarceration, et cetera. So those are, those are known as ACEs, but there's also something called relational trauma. Now that can happen when a child just feels a disruption in being safe and understood. So kind of just you know, being misunderstood, which happens to a lot of us, and also just kind of feeling not loved within the family. And this does not necessarily involve neglect or abuse. It may just be something that was said to a child and they felt criticized or unheard and internalized the idea that they can't count on their parent. So it's really about how the child felt inside. 
It's not the actual event. So this means that an observer might think, well, that was no big deal. But if it was internalized in the child as really distressing or overwhelming, then that is trauma to that individual. And I think we forget that. There's an author, Britt Frank, who who wrote the book, The Science of Stuck. Great book. She's a therapist and trauma specialist. And she describes how trauma is not defined by what happens to you, but how you feel about what happened to you. So no one can know except you how an experience impacted you. So if we're telling people that you're fine, you're fine, and you're not fine, well, you're not going to feel heard and you're going to feel kind of misunderstood and like you're not safe because you can't count on anybody. can be particularly harmful when this happens during childhood because children are at a very vulnerable phase of social emotional growth and brain development. So these can carry over into adolescence and adulthood and they're often unconscious. So you may not have this awareness of it. Kind of like how I was talking about my story in our previous episode. I haven't necessarily been aware of those things. I didn't become aware until I started looking at myself. So we also wanted to mention that or thinking that many people just may not be comfortable with the that word trauma. So if it helps while we're having this conversation, instead of thinking of the word or using the word trauma, you could also think of it as something that was distressing, something that was really overwhelming, something that made you feel unsafe. If you prefer, if those words make it easier to land for you, because in reality, you know, many of us have experienced something in our life that could be considered trauma. No, absolutely. And I, you may not think that you have experienced trauma because you felt like you had a normal childhood. But having a relatively regular childhood does not mean that you've never experienced something that led to a trauma response or a distress response or that overwhelm response. And these responses can look very familiar, you know, to everyday things like anxiety, panic, ADD, fatigue, procrastination, being quiet or not responding, yelling all the time, muscle tightening, difficulty breathing, and many more responses that people can have. A person's body can respond to situations and environments and experiences they have, or even a topic or a word, and that body response can be completely unconscious. I have not shared my personal journey on this podcast like Debbie has, and since I'm just starting kind of like my journey with interception, but I have been able to, on the surface at least, identify why sometimes I feel disconnected, or as I know it now, as why I go into my free state. And my free state kind of looks a little bit like I sort of shut off in certain situations and get really quiet. You know, I tend to freeze when I hear specific trigger words or phrases that to most people might feel sweet or comfortable or endearing, but it reminds me of like a strong emotion that I don't have the capacity to hear at this moment. And it could be little things like, you know, you look really beautiful today. And for some reason, in my body, I have a freeze response. And I think as a behaviorist for almost, you know, almost 20 years now, I've had the ability to change behavior if there's something undesirable or not necessarily socially acceptable through discovering the function and then choosing the appropriate replacement to treat that function, especially on others, but never really on myself. And what I did not realize is that I was unconsciously doing that to myself anyway, in order to cope with the extreme pressure of this profession, my life stressors, even my relationships. And when I'm in my perceived distress situation, I tend to change and adapt my behavior to fit that situation. 
this helps me kind of calm my nervous system. I'm able to get out of what I thought my freeze mode was to deal with the situation. Because again, I'm helping someone else and I'm not helping myself. That didn't actually mean that I solved the problem for myself. All I did was kind of add another Band-Aid to the scar and thinking it was fixed. Even though I was taking off a Band-Aid to replace it with something better through treating the function, all I did was add another Band-Aid to something that was already down deep in the surface. And when I am in a familiar perceived distress situation like that again, I get angry because as a person, I thought, and as a behaviorist, I thought, I replaced that behavior. And according to our science, it should have solved the problem or at least treated the function and everything now should be fine. But nine out of 10 times, that was not, it was not fine. And all I created was another layer of Band-Aid that only added to the free state instead of ripping them all off and healing what was actually truly the cause. And for me, you know, distressed and trauma adaptations is not necessarily the actual activity or the event I'm attending. It's words used in conversation that would instantly put me in a freeze feeling, whether or not the topic was about, you know, something uncomfortable to me. It, it could be anything at that moment. So when I feel that way, I become a people pleaser. And I people please to the point where I forget about myself. I give that person or even the company I was working for my full attention. I poured everything that I've learned over the years into that job or into what I was doing. But I never really realized that what I was doing was adding another Band-Aid to my own trauma adaptation or my distressed or overwhelm that led me to act the way that I do. And Sometimes to everyone that could look very emotionally unavailable and distant. I get quiet, I shut off, and it could last a few hours, it could last a few days or weeks, and it really depends on how I am processing it through my head. And I'm discovering that it could last long since I'm not able to process the underlying emotion part of it. Because in my behaviorist brain, I couldn't make sense of it. If I had an overwhelm or a distress, I identified the function, I treated the function and replaced the behavior, it should have been better. But I never really realized that I never went deep enough in order to actually really fix the problem. Yolani, thank you so much for sharing that because that was, it's really interesting and important to hear what you're discovering along your journey. And I think, I, I think it's, it's awesome that, you know, kind of Yolandi and I are here together because I've done deep, deep work and Yolandi's kind of just discovering things. And, and I love how you brought in like the behavior, how the behavioral perspective of how you've kind of dealt with your own, you know, your own personal life. So that's really important. I mean, I don't try to, to do that on myself, but just by doing it for so long, that's what I do. And yeah. I literally now just telling that story got really hot and sweaty. And wow, I got this feeling of tingle all over my body. So it's definitely residing somewhere in there. And it's, it's something that I need to unpack and uncover and, and work on. That's so huge. And this is what we're saying about this work of interception, because honestly, Yolandi and I talk and we talk about feelings and things, but it's more been her learning, like starting to figure things out about her body and feeling, you know, really being more present with what's actually coming up. So that's amazing how that, that just happens kind of naturally. And this is what's kind of happening naturally with our clients. So we just really find it so important that if you truly 
want to start taking these bandages off of the people that we work with and getting to the actual root cause of the behavior, not just trying to let's put a bandaid on it and let's make it better for the moment. So you're just fixing that external behavior. It's the same as not, it's the same as a medical procedure where you just get a pill and that's going to fix that for the second. But is it really getting to the root cause of what's actually happening? So we just feel like this is so important because there is so much underlying trauma. But on that note, we just really wanted to to mention that because there is so much, you know, deeper that can come up when you're working with interception, we really feel it's important to work with someone who understands trauma. And trauma, of course, we're talking about distress or overwhelm, if you want to call it that. This could simply be not understood, not feeling safe to be you, not being heard, and how that could end up manifesting in your everyday responses and actions. So just think about this. If, you know, when you're trying to find a professional who's working with interception or who could help you along that path, make sure that the professional working with you or your loved one really sees the person inside, really can see that there's this beautiful being inside and trying to understand what's happening on the inside and deep down. Because as Yolandi just said, Otherwise, you end up replacing one Band-Aid with another Band-Aid. Correct. You know, even people, regardless if you're a parent, a professional, a teacher, or a caretaker, we need to be aware that an autistic child or an adolescent tends to experience the world as being more threatening due to their social communication difficulties and a very different sensory system. This isn't something that we can just ignore without damaging effects on their emotional well-being down the line. I mean, we might be able to effectively change behavior within the moment, but what does the five-year, 10-year plan look like? And, you know, when now that I'm in my profession for so long, I look back on kids I worked with when they were four and now kids that, you know, now they're, they're 10, 15, almost 20, I can definitely see some of those scars or trauma adaptations or distress that I could have even started by replacing what I thought I needed to replace and whether or not, you know, that was, that was definitely done in a, in a well-intended spirit back then, but I could see how future implications of that wasn't necessarily beneficial to that person. And all that person learned is to add another layer of a bandaid so that they could deal with the world that they're in. And so we want to make sure that understanding that there is a difference in communication. There is a difference in your sensory system. And if we don't actually look at what's happening down deep in the surface, we don't know the implications of what that's going to look like 10, 15, 20 yeah, years from now. So important. And and just adding to that, yeah, I can think of clients I've worked with in the past too that I just, oh, you know, you do what you're what you're trained to do and you, and I bet it never felt right, honestly, when I think back to those moments, but you do the best you can do. But I do have to say for myself, learning about my own stuff, learning about what happened inside of me really opened my eyes even wider to what was happening with my neurodivergent clients. You know, I, I hate to stress that, but it is important that that person that you're working with sees uh, the beauty within the individual that you're working with. But we just wanted to make sure that we continue this topic of distress and trauma in relation to our neurodivergent clients, because it is extremely important. And now the research is increasingly showing that autistic people are at a higher risk of experiencing early life stressors and trauma. Now, this isn't that 
it never happened before. It's just that it is just recently being examined. It's coming out data on it. So that doesn't mean, I mean, think about that. It's just being researched. So you think about all the years of uh, distress for these individuals. Um, it just it breaks our hearts. <laughs> you know, for us, it just breaks our hearts. So, <laughs> so as we continue to talk about interception, just people need to be aware that exploring these sensations may not be easy for some of our clients, may not be easy for your loved ones, because that can bring up, you know, distress from the past. And they may, and the, the person may not be aware of those feelings at all. So they may have some really uncomfortable feeling and they don't have any idea where it came from. So that's why we continue to talk about trauma in regard to interoception, because this isn't a little thing. Trauma, distress, overwhelm, whatever you want to call it, lives in your body. And that is what trauma experts tell us. So we're going to be continuing this discussion as a series so that we can just deep dive. And so our listeners can truly understand trauma in relation to autism and other neurodivergent individuals. So we would love for you to stay with us and continue on this journey. Absolutely. Um, we love hearing from you. So if you've got questions, comments, or just want to connect with us, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Feel free to drop us a message or leave us a comment, ask a question, or just share your thoughts with us. Your thoughts matter and we want to hear from you and we can't wait to hear from you.